cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Thank you. Very good. Good morning and welcome to all our guests, visitors, and listeners on the radio today. We're happy to have Pastor Joel back. He'll be wrapping up the sermon series on the Sabbath today. And just around the corner is Wonderful Wednesdays, which begin on March 4th. So we're looking for some adult classroom leaders and youth leaders. We're also in need of someone to lead games for the kids. So if you're interested, see Pastor Joel or contact the church office for more information. I'd like to invite you to stand and join me in the call to worship, taken from Psalm 108, verses 1 through 5. My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, hype, awake harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be upon all the earth.
Amen. You may be seated. This time I'd like to invite forward our new consistory members for our ordination and installation service. Our new elder is Mark Schralicki, deacons Maria Lammers and Brian Jones, as well as trustee Bob Snyder. I invite you, all four of you to come and join me up front here uh, for this time of the service. I also want to invite any of our current elders that are with us today to come forward as well. Um, just to stand up here with me and so we can be praying for them together. Okay. <laughs> Got trapped behind you guys here for a second. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, well, first of all, just so excited that the four of you are joining Consistory this year. Uh, we're really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to working with you. And um, Consistory really is an, an opportunity for us as a church to to serve alongside one another. Uh, we have a privilege of being a congregational church, which means it's not all about one or two people standing in front doing all the work. It's about us as a church, as a congregation, coming together and serving the Lord together. And Consistory is one of those opportunities uh, to do that. And so uh, for each one of you, I'm just excited that your, your willingness to, to serve alongside and minister together as we serve the Lord uh, by serving his church here at, at First Church in New Knoxville. So for all four of you, I have a, few, a couple questions about your faith um, as you answer them. And then for each one of you, I'll have questions about, uh, about your role on consistory. And, and uh, then I'll pray for each one of you. So uh, for all four of you, I will ask you the following questions uh, in front of uh, this congregation and in front of the Lord. Do you trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If so, say, I do. And do you believe the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God? And do you commit to align your life according to the Bible to the best of your ability with the help of the Holy Spirit? Praise God. And Mark, as our new elder, I ask you the following questions. Do you feel called by God to the office of elder in order to serve God and edify the First Church of New Knoxville? And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of elder as outlined in our Constitution, which include the ability to assist and support the pastor and the spiritual affairs of the church, Set an example to others. Watch faithfully over the spiritual interests of the congregation. Maintain order in the house of God. Assist in the distribution of the elements of the Lord's Supper. Aid in visiting the sick. And minister according to your ability in the edification and comfort of all the members of First Church. If so, I say, I do with the help of God. Praise God. Mark, I actually invite you to, if you don't mind stepping forward, I'd love to pray for you at this time as well. I would usually lay hands on you and ask the elders to lay hands, but given the state of all of the sickness going around, I think maybe it's better to just avoid that. So I'll just be praying for you at this moment. Our merciful Father in heaven, we thank you that you have provided faithful and gifted people to serve as elders. As this new office bearer assumes his responsibility, fill him with your spirit, endow him with your wisdom, and grant him with your strength. Make him a faithful worker in your vineyard, and under your... under his guidance, may your church grow in every spiritual grace and faith, which is open and unashamed and in the committed service that promotes your reign in the world. Help him to perform his duties with enthusiasm and humility in his work. Grant him a sense of sustained awe, which is rooted daily in adoration for you, his Lord through him. May your name be honored and your church be served. Amen. Congratulations. Our new, uh, 
Our new deacons this year are Maria Lammers and Brian Jones, and so I invite you to answer the following questions as well. Do you feel called by God to the office of deacon in order to serve God and edify the First Church of New Knoxville? And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of deacon as outlined in our Constitution, which include the ability to aid in securing the funds necessary for the support of the church, to foster the principles of Christian stewardship, to dispense the charity of the church, and to assist in the distribution of the elements of the Lord's Supper. So say, I do, with the help of God. Praise God. And if you don't mind, I ask you to just step forward as I pray for you as well. Heavenly Father, since the time of the apostles, you have inspired the church to commission certain members to assist in a special way in the pastoral mission of Christ. Hear our prayer for your faithful people in their vocation and ministry. Each may be an instrument of your love and give to your servants now to be installed the needful gifts of grace. Bless the deacons that they may be humble and faith-inspired in their service. We ask you through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, we have Bob Snyder as incoming trustee. So Bob, do you feel called to be to God to the office of trustee in order to serve God and edify the First Church of New Knoxville? And do you commit to fulfill the responsibilities of trustee as outlined in our Constitution, which include the ability to care for and control the property of the congregation, whether real or personal, as a sacred trust? Praise God. If you don't mind stepping forward, I'll pray for you as well. Dear Lord, we thank you for, for those who care for and control the property of this congregation. We thank you for, this faithful, for their faithful stewardship, knowledgeable expertise, and humble service to this church. We ask you for provision, not just to maintain this building, but to make it a welcoming environment for all who seek to worship you. We ask this through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we're so happy that you guys are willing to, to serve alongside us. And, and as they take a seat, I just welcome you to all stand and, and greet your neighbor. And invite children to come forward at Children's Set at this time. Good morning. How are you guys today? What day is it today? Sunday. Sunday. Anything else special about today? Yeah. What? I get to go to Lexi's birthday party. You have a birthday party. Amazing. You're going to see Frozen, aren't you? Yes. Anything else happening today? You're going to the farm. Excellent. You do. So, I have a picture of something here. 
Anybody know who this is? Groundhog. It's a groundhog, isn't it? Is it Groundhog's Day? Yes. It is Groundhog's Day. Do you remember what this groundhog's name is? No? Oh, man. Bryce and Jojo, we just talked about this Friday. What's his name? Punxsutawney Phil, right? Punxsutawney Phil. Now, Punxsutawney Phil is a groundhog. And they think that a groundhog can tell us what the weather's going to be like. Can groundhogs do that? Do you think he's ever been right about the weather? No? Maybe? Well, you know, they kind of word it like this. If he sees his shadow, he's scared, and there's six more weeks of winter. But if he doesn't see his shadow and he's not scared, it's six more weeks till spring. See, so he can't be wrong because it's six weeks away no matter how you look at it. But it's kind of fun to think about that and to listen to what a groundhog might have to say. But a groundhog doesn't have a plan for us, does he? Nope, a groundhog doesn't have a plan. Who has a plan for us? God has a plan for us. Yeah, God has a plan for us. How many of you have a plan for later today, right? Some of you have a party. Some of you are going to help grandma and grandpa. Yeah, we all have a... Oh, gotcha. It's a work day at the farm. Gotcha. So, God has a plan for us. And it tells us in Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. He He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work of God from the beginning to the end. So God has a plan. Can a groundhog tell us about God's plan? No. No, the groundhog doesn't know about it. No, he doesn't. But God has a plan for each one of us. He knows exactly what you're going to grow up to be. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Do you know how many hairs are on your head? A hundred? Maybe, maybe a couple more than that. But, yeah, God has a plan for each one of us. And we take comfort in that plan because we know God loves us very much. And he has a plan. And sometimes that plan is going to be awesome things, like going to see Frozen. And sometimes that plan is going to be not such fun things, like doing your homework. But he has a plan, and the good and the bad. So we need to remember, God has a plan, and he loves us very much. Okay, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children. Thank you for their eagerness to learn and want to know more about you. We know you have a plan for each one of them, and we pray that they are part of that great plan and live to your, to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good job. Killed in Syria, Specialist Antonio L. Moore, 22, from Wilson, North Carolina.
killed in Afghanistan, Captain Ryan S. Fanouf, 30, from Hudson, New Hampshire, Lieutenant Colonel Paul K. Voss, 46, from Hugo, Guam, lost in Charleston, Hospital Corpsman Seaman Thomas Adrian Dion Campbell, 20, and in North Carolina, Private Second Class Caleb Smither, 19, from Lubbock, Texas. Thank you, Jay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for bringing us together this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us and that we can we have the privilege to come before you as your children. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this series on rest uh, that we've been walking through as a church. God, as we wrap up this series today, I pray that you would remind us and even at at times convict us of when we are trying to do too much, um, when we're not resting in you. Remind us that we need not only physical rest, but we also need that spiritual rest and to seek that rest in you. You are our life source, um, and we need your rest to get through every single day. God, we lift up the many concerns that are in our bulletin. You know every situation. You know exactly what they need. And so we just ask that you would be with them, be with their families. We ask for your comfort and your peace to prevail in each of those situations. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to stand with us and sing number 462, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us.
you may be seated. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to give back to you now. I pray that you bless this offering to further the work of your kingdom in this church and in this community. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
please could remain standing today as we hear the scripture, which comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You may be seated. Thank you, Adam. Let's pray together again. Lord God, we ask that you would bring to life the reading of your word now as we study it together. I pray for strength for myself and my voice. And I, (coughs) excuse me. And I pray for your grace to be with us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as you can tell, I'm not quite 100%, but I am very happy to be back here with you all this morning. Uh, notice my, I was showing my love to you this morning by not walking around and shaking hands like I normally do, um, but I am glad that I'm able to be here and to, to share uh, God's Word with you and be able to wrap up our sermon series here on Sabbath rest. Uh, remember when I was younger, I think I was about middle school, high school age, uh, the song I Can Only Imagine first came out on the radio, and or first came out, and it became a very big hit, not just on Christian radio, but secular radio as well. Uh, and and it was all over the place. You couldn't turn on the radio, you couldn't drive in your car without hearing that song being played. It was quite amazing. And, and I remember, you know, everybody talked about how, you know, it's going to lead to revival or something because this one Christian song was being played all the time. But I think the reason it connected with people so well, whether it was Christian audiences or secular audiences, is because it got us to think about heaven, got us to think about what that would possibly be like. And of course, if you're familiar with the song, it reflects a lot on on what that individual's response is going to be when they finally meet Jesus face to face, what it's going to be like to stand in his presence, or are they going to fall to their knees and worship him? Uh, and, and so the song is really consumed about that, that response to finally being in the presence of our Lord and Savior. But it's interesting, if we, if we were to expand that thought further, what is heaven going to be like? What are, not, not just our initial response to, to being in the presence of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, but, but what will it be like to truly live in heaven? You know, we ha- we're going to have a lot of time on our hands, right? We're going to have a lot of time to spend there in God's presence and with God's people. And so what are we going to do to pass our time? Right? What, what comes to mind when I ask you that question? We often get this caricature that, that heaven is just going to be us lounging around on white fluffy clouds all day playing harps. Right? We're going to just sit around and do nothing. But I think what we see from Scripture, from the testimony of Scripture, is that, is that we're going to have work to do in heaven. Now if we rewind that, the reason I say that is because if we rewind that, and go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 in the garden, which is where heaven, in a sense, is first introduced to us. 
God's presence with his people in the garden, we see that there is work being done there as well. And so I want to encourage us to think, as we think about what it means to truly rest in God and and find rest in him, it's important us to look at the other side of the coin as we wrap up that series. We want to find physical, spiritual, mental rest in the Lord, but we do so in order to then work and live the rest of the week as God intended for us to do. You see, work is not a, an evil in this world. It may seem evil at times, right? But work itself is a good thing that God has gifted to his people. Again, I want to I rewind our conversation here all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and, and look at what that passage has to say about the dignity and the reality of, of work in this world. First of all, we see that work was a part of the creation, a part of the order of creation that God gave to his people. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, uh, right after creating mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. It says that God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then again in chapter 2, verse 15, after placing Adam in the garden, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. You see, even in creation, before the fall, before sin entered the world, there was a sense that, that work needed to be done. That work was a part of how God created the world to operate. God didn't create us to just, you know, sit around all day and do nothing. God didn't create us to, to just live a life of endless leisure and pleasure and joy we find our joy in him but part of that is finding uh fulfilling the purpose with which he created us to live and that is part of that is to work to to subdue and rule over creation to tend the garden that he has placed us in see part of what it means to work is part of what it means to be created in the image of god is to work god is our creator And we see in the creation story that he himself worked. He even got his hands dirty a little bit in the process. And so our ability to work, to care for creation, is a reflection of who God is and his image that is in us. And so then he also enables and expects humans to carry out his creative work. Notice here in those passages that I just read that that command to to rule over, to subdue the creation is, is unique to human beings. It's not given to the animals. It's not given to the plant life or the, the sun and the moon and the stars or the heavens. It's given specifically and only to human beings. There's something unique about being made in the image of God and then being equipped to carry on his creative work. We see that work then beginning in the garden with Adam and, and the call that God has placed on his life. You see, work in, in that sense then is a way for us to both love God and love others. And I want to stop here for a moment and just reflect on the reality that work, when I talk about work, I'm talking about more than just what you do to earn a paycheck. Right? We think of work as simply our job, our, our nine to five job or, or whatever, uh, whatever position we find ourselves in. And it's what we do to earn a living, right? That is a part of work, but that is not an all-encompassing view of work that Scripture lays out for us. Work is a much, in a much larger sense is whatever you find yourself doing that, that promotes and accomplishes God's good purposes in this world. 
And so a part of that may be what you do for a living. Your job that you use, that you have to earn a paycheck may help you live out God's purpose and plan for your life in this world. But that's certainly not the only place or the only way in which that takes place. There's many of us here that don't earn a paycheck for one reason or other. Maybe we're retired. Maybe we're in school. Maybe we're in between jobs. But that doesn't mean we have any less to say about the reality and the, and the dignity that work provides. We can work. Work is whatever we find ourselves doing that promotes and accomplishes God's good purposes in this world. And work is meant to provide material and immaterial value. God provides for us through our ability to work and earn a paycheck. That's certainly part of it. The book of Proverbs is full of the value of hard work, right? The value of putting a good day's honest work in order to earn for yourself, for your family to provide. But at the bottom line, even in that sense, even as we work to provide for our families, that is still a gift and a blessing from God. James chapter 1 verse 17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. You see, even our ability to get up in the morning, to go to work, to have the skills and the energy we need to do that, to have the opportunity to have found that job in the first place, right, is all a gift from God and his way of providing for you and for your family and for your community. But work also provides a sense of worth and accomplishment that goes beyond a paycheck, that goes beyond how much money you're able to bring home at the end of the day or the end of the week. There's just something about the ability to, to, to work, to serve others, to, to provide in that way that, that provides dignity and, and worth that goes beyond that paycheck, like I said. Uh, one example I could think of is when I was a youth pastor, our first mission trip I ever led was to New Orleans, and it was with YouthWorks, which is a group that we've used here plenty of times in the past as well. And one of the things that YouthWorks does is they match you up with local organizations and community service projects that you're able to then go serve alongside. You know, each group that comes in doesn't just reinvent the wheel with a new project. You come alongside what is already being done and what God is already doing in that area. And one of the groups that we were able to work alongside with was actually the group that Allie got to lead uh, was at a uh, resource center a place that provided work for people with special needs and, and disabilities, that they were able to go and, and earn a paycheck, able to do work that, that they were able to be proud of. And in the process of learning skills and being able to learn how to live on their own, um, the work was simple. It was actually sorting Mardi Gras beads, of all things. Um, you can imagine that was quite an interesting job for, for our teens to have as they, as they sorted through boxes and boxes of these Mardi Gras beads in a warehouse. But, uh, but that was work that these people were able to do, and, and it brought a sense of dignity and honor to their lives. They weren't just, uh, they were able to learn skills and, and be able to do things that, that otherwise they might not have been able to do. And, and so work for them wasn't just the paycheck. It was, it was the ability to do something and contribute and earn a sense of worth and accomplishment from that. And so work at the bottom line, work is a good thing. Work is what God has designed for us to do and accomplish. But we all know that work is not easy, is it? Work in this world is broken, just like everything else. When sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, it affected work just like every other aspect of life. And in his book, 
uh, every good endeavor, Tim Keller talks about how sin itself has affected our work lives. He says that work has become fruitless. In Genesis 3, the cur- when God utters the curse it sa- uh, towards Adam, he says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will, not eat fr- you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. But you, the sweat, by the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so in the garden, things, things were easy, right? God provided, God planted the garden, and it produced fruit. And Adam's responsibility was to care for that, to provide for it. But as a result of sin entering the world, that work became difficult. It became hard. It became toil. And it was no longer able to produce the kind of fruit that was expected before. It will be hard. It will be fruitless. Work also sometimes becomes pointless. We get to a point where we wonder, what, what good am I doing, right? What good am I serving here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? We get frustrated and distracted by, by the problems that creep up with our work. And so it seems to become pointless. We question why we even bother sometimes. Work also can become selfish. When it becomes fruitless and pointless, then, then we often retreat in and of ourselves and we make work about us make work about what we can do, how it can promote our own self or um, our own good or our own uh, to meet our own needs rather than thinking of how it can be used to honor God and honor, uh, honor others. Work becomes about how much we can earn in a given week or, or how much status or what kind of promotion we can, we can handle for ourselves. And that becomes the primary motivation or primary purpose for our work. And work ultimately can also reveal our idols. It reveals what we truly care about. And, and unfortunately, when we are, live in a world that has been affected by sin, oftentimes those, what we care about gets twisted and it gets misappropriated. And so work itself becomes hard. It becomes broken. It becomes fruitless, pointless, selfish, and it reveals our idols. So what's the solution to all of this? If work is meant to be good, yet our own human experience shows us that work is hard and difficult, what's the solution? Well, I think that brings us back to Deuteronomy chapter 5. This, this command, once again, to honor the Sabbath. We've talked a lot about these last few weeks, what that means. What it means to rest in the Lord and to remember all that He's done for us. And to, to resist the patterns of this world, but, but find our identity in Christ. You see, when we learn to rest, it helps us to gain the right perspective on work as well. In the first set of ten, in the first set of ten commandments, that didn't sound right. There's just one, I promise. Um, but in Exodus 20, when God first gives the ten commandments to His people, He grounds the command for Sabbath in creation, emphasizing the dignity of work and, and the universal, universality of the command. It's for all people, not just Christians. It's a part of how we were made. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he grounds the Sabbath in God's people's experience of the Exodus. In other words, they were slaves in Egypt once. They once served Pharaoh. And so now their command to Sabbath is a way to push back against those sorts of demands. 
In other words, Sabbath helps us to restore a proper perspective on work. We're not meant to be slaves to Pharaoh, right? We're not meant to just work over and over and over again, day after day after day, without any end in sight. Slaves, after all, were a means to an end, no more than the production that they offered. And so Sabbath rest is a way for us to push back against that view of of work and its broken state, where it's fruitless and pointless and selfish. But on the other hand, work is a good thing that should be pursued with right motives and proper perspective. In other words, there's a balance here. There's, There's don't go on working like a slave day after day after day. Don't serve Pharaoh in that way. And don't put that expectation on those who work for you as well, right? There's that expectation of of pushing back against that. But there's also the reality that work is good. Sabbath is not quit your job and never work again. It's finding the balance between rest in the Lord and working to provide. So Sabbath then helps us to reorient ourselves by putting our focus back on God and allowing the gospel to transform how we view work, even work itself. The pattern of the gospel is this. The world was created good, right? The world was then broken by sin, but then the world will also be redeemed ultimately through Christ and his work on the cross. And this helps us to explain two things. It explains why work is hard and frustrating because it's been broken by sin. But it also gives us hope that all of our work is not in vain. That God can and will redeem his creation, even the small corner of it that he's placed you in. God will redeem that as well. And so as you think about what it means to rest and to work, what it means to truly rest in the Lord so you can live for him the other six days of the week, whether that's on the job or at home or at school, I want you to ask yourself these three questions. First of all, am I honoring God with how he uniquely created me to work? Am I honoring God with my gifts, my talents, my abilities, with the opportunities that he's provided me? Am I using those things to honor God or am I using them in a selfish, self-centered way? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul says, whether you eat or drink, Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Question two, how is God using my work to make me more like Christ? Romans eight twenty eight through 29 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, God uses all things to make us more like Jesus. Yes, even our work, right? Even what we do outside of church, outside of the walls of these church. God uses that to make us more like him. And so how is God using that in your life? And how can you position yourself to be used by God so that he can make you more like his son, Jesus? And the third question, how does my work have a positive impact on those around me? God has created us to work to, as a way to reflect the image of God in, in us. But he's also, as part of that, created us to work so that we can benefit those around us. 
for the good of those that God has placed in our circle of influence. So that includes ourselves, right? But it also includes our family, our community, those that are less fortunate that God has placed around us, the marginalized, and even the world itself, right? So think, how, how does my work, how does what I do Monday through Saturday, right, impact, have a positive impact on those around me? I began by talking about how our view of heaven and, and how we're called to work. I do believe that the new Jerusalem, the, the city that comes out of heaven from God, is, is a continuation of the story that began in the garden. Right? God planted a garden in Genesis 1 and 2, called Adam and Eve to, to care for it, to work it. And in Revelation 21 and 22, we get a picture of a new heaven, a new earth, a new city. The garden has become a city, has developed, it has grown, a place for all of God's people to dwell. What a beautiful image that is and what God is calling us to work towards. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have called us to rest in you. And in doing so, you have given us a better perspective on what work is truly all about. I pray that you would instill in us a sense of um, a sense of gratitude for those opportunities and also, Lord, revitalize us, refresh us so that we may serve you in whatever setting you've placed us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stand and sing number 29, Glorify Thy Name.
you pray with me? Lord God, as we turn our attention now, as we focus our hearts and our minds on communion, we ask, Lord, that you would glorify your name in this place. Lord, we come before you with the full knowledge that we are unworthy. That even as you have created us to be in relationship with you, we know that this world and even our own selves have been affected and broken by the reality of sin. Lord, we have all fallen short of your glory. And we ask, Lord, now that as we prepare our hearts and minds, that you would bring to mind those things, Lord, that we have done that are not pleasing to you. Lord, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. All of us are in the same boat. And so we acknowledge our wrongdoing. We acknowledge that, that, Lord, we are in desperate need of you and your grace. And this bread and this juice is a representation of what you've done to, to save us, Lord. That though we are sinners, though we have done nothing to deserve it, you, Jesus, laid down your life for us. You died on the cross so that we may live. And you rose again from the grave to promise us that you have conquered sin and death and shame and that we have the hope of eternal life to look forward to. And so, Lord, help us to, to confess and repent and turn away from those things, Lord, that are not pleasing to you. And, Lord, help us to embrace and turn towards the goodness of your grace and in your mercy. Lord, we ask this, that you would, you would meet us here in this place through this sacrament, Lord, and, and, and remind us of the joy of your salvation. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I invite those who are helping to serve communion to come forward at this time.
body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is broken for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, shed for you and for all, for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's pray together. Father God, we're once again grateful and reminded of your amazing love for us. I pray now that as we go from this place, that your spirit would equip us to live lives that are pleasing to you, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit and by your grace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Mm -hmm. You may go in peace. Mm -hmm.